Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 425 Show, your place to be for all things real estate and lifestyle related here on the East Side. I'm your host, Nicole Mangina, with Windermere Real Estate. Welcome to July. I hope you guys had a great 4th of July last week. It was uh, the weather cooperated. It was a great day. And it was an interesting week in real estate. You never know going into a holiday week like that um, what it's going to mean for real estate. Sometimes it's busy and sometimes it's not. It was actually pretty busy. There were people out there buying and uh, looking at houses. So I think that's a good sign. We'll see what the summer brings. Um, and uh, part of summer is there's all kinds of super cool events. That's a lot of what we do on the show because, as I've mentioned before, you know the whole reason I do this is buying and selling real estate. It's about a whole lot more than bedrooms and baths. You kind of start there, but really it's about the neighborhood and the events and the people and the businesses that make it such an amazing place to live because it ends up being your community and the backdrop for your life. So we've got some amazing stuff to talk about on the show today. I'm excited to welcome our guest, Cynthia Crass, with the Snoqualmie Valley Preservation Alliance. Say that 10 times fast. Yeah. How are you? Thanks for being good, here. Good. Thank good. you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Terrific. Thanks. Absolutely. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about this today because this is part of what I love about living in this area. You know, we've got downtown Seattle and you've got all your city stuff and you've got your suburbs with Bellevue and Kirkland, but it, you know, there's so much more to kind of the 425 east of Seattle and you know, Bellevue's its own city, and you've got Kirkland that kind of feels like a little village, and you've got Sammamish, but then you've got the Snoqualmie Valley, which is feels like a world away from Absolutely. downtown Seattle, but is really like 30 to 45 minutes away. If that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and there's sure. so much out there. I mean, there's Dar- I love Duval, Darling Little Towns. Carnation's growing like crazy. Our kids went to Remlinger Farms growing up. Um, but there's so much more to it, and I'm excited to learn more about it today. Awesome. I'm excited to share all about it. Thank you. So tell us a little bit, what is the, we need an acronym, Snoqualmie Valley Preservation Alliance. (laughs) We usually just call it the SVPA. Okay, perfect. SVPA. (laughs) What is that all about and how did you get involved in it? Oh, well, thank you for asking. And again, thank you for having me. So um, in order to talk about the SVPA and the work that we do, we have to really start kind of back up a little bit and talk about the Snoqualmie Valley itself right. and about the region and about what a unique place this really is. It really is. There's nothing like it in the country where you can be in a major metropolitan area and you can jump on a bus mm-hmm. and pick strawberries at a, a generational family farm that's been there Pretty cool. since before You know, most of these buildings were here. It's really uh, quite amazing. Um, you know, it's one of the largest river systems right next to an urban area that isn't dammed for flood control. Oh, and so that keeps, you know, that keeps some of the um, the rural character. And mm-hmm. it also makes it extremely challenging. So we'll talk a little bit about that, too. Okay. Um, but the, the region is really just a phenomenal place for recreation. Um, to be able to grow our food right outside our back door, you know, if... Mm-hmm. If you extend all the way to the to really what we consider the east side, like the urban area, all the way out to like Issaquah or Sammamish, mm-hmm. it's really just a five-minute drive out from the edge if you're like on the Sammamish Plateau till you're into the Snoqualmie Valley where you have, like I said, generational family farms. You have you know, dairy farms. You have mixed vegetable growers. You have just unbelievable recreational opportunities, and it's just right there. That's awesome. That's amazing. It's really it is actually is really unique. And if you study other areas in the country or even in the state, it's it's really quite unique. Yeah, it really is. If you think about it. Um, Cool. So how did you get involved in this? 
Well, that's a great question. So um, the organization started in 2010, and like a lot of nonprofits, they start with somebody who's got a bone to pick with somebody else. And in this case, <laughs> sure. it was the landowners and um, um, the Army Corps of Engineers and the county that were uh, making modifications to Snoqualmie Falls, which made flooding in the lower valley worse and less predictable. Okay. And so when there was a second round of modifications, the land, you know, hand-wringing landowners that said somebody's got to do something decided that that somebody needed to be then so them. So a handful of them got together, and they're actually the f- formed the, the nonprofits, SVP, Snoqualmie Valley Preservation Alliance. And their first act was to sue the United States government, the Army oh, Corps well, of Engineers. Go, uh, because <laughs> go they big had, or go home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they hadn't done adequate downstream studies to see how all that work would impact the people making their lives and livelihoods on the landscape. Okay. And so um, it's an interesting story. Sort of something happened on the way to the federal court, and that was that they ended up um, – that went all the way to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and and uh, they ended up uh, ruling. The court ruled against, ruled in favor of the federal government, which they typically do. But um, the community realized that together they had a pretty big voice, and there had yeah. been no entity that could really bring those voices together mm-hmm. into something a little bit bigger and a little bit more powerful. And as a result of that, really a lot of um, agencies and activists and others really paid a lot of attention to that and, and namely King County um, and they it really got their attention they realized if um, there are a lot of threats to the valley that mm-hmm. we don't think about and if we don't do something about those threats we'll probably not have you know a, a viable food system right outside our back door you know if we mm-hmm. don't take some action so the group ended up um, realizing that it wasn't just a one and done thing and they um, started uh, realizing there were other really key initiatives that somebody needed to get organized and bring a voice to the table. Um, And so I had been supporting the organization for a couple of years. Um, I used to train long-distance triathlon and literally spent hours and hours riding my bike up and down the valley and really got to know it from the ground up, as well as having been um, a member of the first um, organic community-supported agriculture, you know, subscription-based farm, which is Jubilee Farm. And I had been doing that since 1995 when my daughter was a newborn. Mm-hmm. So between the cycling and the weekly visits to the farm, mm-hmm. um, and I used to live on the Sammamish Plateau, mm-hmm. I just, I got just a just an unbelievable like connection to that land. Sure. And um, you know, I grew up in the suburbs of really in Silicon Valley. My dad was a rocket scientist, and we had a full suburban experience. I never went to a farm. I never knew where my food came from. I never paid any attention to any of that. And when I started going out there in the 90s, I just it was really quite overwhelming. It was profound, that connection to the land that was available to me that just I had no no knowledge of that. And then having raised my family, you know, with that kind of influence really gave a lot of meaning. So when I, um, uh, I was supporting the organization, I was observing the organization, it was an all-volunteer board, and uh, I made a career change and went and got a master of urban planning at the University of Washington. And mm-hmm. when I finished and I looked at my options, um, realized that uh, maybe working in a jurisdiction is you know, somebody on a second, you know, twilight career, maybe sort of being buried in a in a city or county planning department. Maybe I wanted to do something a little bit uh, a little bit out of the box with my mm-hmm. new planning degree. And so I um, started working with them and talking to them, and we decided it was time to get a staff um, on board sure. instead of just an all volunteer board. And really, that was so that was the end of December of uh, the end of 2013, and it's just taken off from there. There's really there was an enormous void that none of us really fully understood about the need for a common voice to address all kinds of problems uh, facing farmers, mostly related to water and land use. Interesting. Water meaning too much or too little. Right. 
And have they since made changes then to, because you started off with saying, you know, this kind of started Absolutely. with some stuff and at Suquamish Falls. Have they since made changes that are working better? Or? Oh, my gosh. And the they would be all kinds of different organizations and entities. Sure. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. There have been, um, just to give you one example, one of the biggest problems facing the new growers. So, you know, it used to be a dairy uh, area. Mm-hmm. It used to be the, I don't know if you know this, but the world record for the most production of milk in a 24-hour period uh, was held by a cow at the Carnation Dairy Farm back no in the middle way. of the last century. All yeah, right. It turns out this is a great place to Take be a dairy cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the um, it's a great place to be a dairy cow. And in the middle of the last century, there were just, you know, many, many dozens of dairies up and down the valley. But mm-hmm. through a variety of uh, reasons, um, lowering milk prices, increasing difficulty, um, dealing with some of the used to be in the last century, you could you know, 100 years ago, you could sort of manage your farm in any way you wanted, and it, things have changed, of course, with environmental regulations, which which makes sense, but it made it much more difficult to run a dairy mm-hmm. farm. And so since the 80s, we've seen mixed vegetable growers, people growing food for people. So one of the problems is that um, people think you don't need to irrigate in western Washington, and that's true for most of the time, and you don't need to irrigate very much. Mm-hmm. But a farmer, um, you, need, uh, you need a water right to irrigate, and they stopped giving those out in the Snoqualmie Valley in the 70s. Oh, so 40 percent of the acreage had historic access to legal water rights and the other 60 percent had zero. Wow. So if you want to start a farm and you want to grow food for people and you need to irrigate your crops between used to say the beginning of July, but this year we'll say the middle of July till the middle of (laughs) September, you need a right to irrigate. And prior to us um, taking on this particular hurdle, you were just out of luck, period. You just and uh, farmers would put in hours and hours and hours of work, whether that was, you know, trying to before harvest or when they were first putting plants in and then they would just die. And I've had farmers just crying. I spent so many days getting those starts in and they're all dead because I don't have the ability to irrigate. And so the Snoqualmie Valley saw that as uh, the the SVPA took that on as a challenge. And we worked with the Department of Ecology. We worked with other irrigation um, entities in the state to figure out what they were doing. And we were able to develop a program. We created the first um, agricultural water bank in the area for sure, and one of the only ones in all of Washington that's agriculture. So farmers that have water rights can trade um, and sell them to other farmers that okay. maybe, um, if they're not using their water right, they can sell it to it. They could lease it or sell it to another farmer. And so suddenly we have about 15 farmers that are participating, well, 15 sites and 25 farmers participating mm-hmm. in that program. So now suddenly this thing that were for a generation and a half was completely intractable is basically solved. That's it's incredible. Amazing. Yeah, That's it's huge. incredible. Yeah. That's a really big deal. And it's fascinating because it's, you know. It's not I, something you think about. No. Yeah. I mean, I'm a suburban girl, too. Yeah. I, I turn on the you tap. You turn on the tap. Oh, and, oh, yeah, exactly. It's fine. <laughs> like, why are we talking about this? But it's it's a big thing when it gets to farming. Yeah. So. And, you know, some of these things, they're, the public has a, a lot of interest in supporting these things, but they just don't know how. You know, and sure. so the first time I... Right a few months after I started the job, we went and talked to some people from the county and the people from the Department of Ecology, and this you know veteran lifetime uh, professional in the in the water uh, profession, the water resources profession. He looked at me and said, "So what's your experience in water?" And my face went blank, <laughs> and I was like, um, "I shower in it," and I just I had you know I had no idea. So. Um, this stuff isn't, you know, my dad was a rocket scientist. It's not rocket science. It's just that there literally was nobody's day job to work through and figure out what it would take. And it turns sure. out that the Department of Ecology has tons of money to 
grant awards to small communities to be able to solve these problems. They just need to know what, you know, what they need somebody to, to implement that. And nobody existed to implement that before. So it's, uh, there's, it's just been this enormous, uh, just growing task and, um, and, and ability. There's just a lot of pent up demand for this kind of organization. That's great. You're probably going to be like a model for the country. Uh, you have other people flying in to figure out how you guys do it because that's a big thing. Like you said, if that's a generation and a half, they couldn't get that figured out, and you guys yeah, did. Yeah, that's a really big deal. It's it's so exciting. I um I get, you know, calls from people, and they're like, oh, you know, my flower. I thought we have um a lot of um, East Asian flower farmers, and mm. they're just, you know, it used to be, you know, the climate is changing, and the summers are getting drier. You know, we're yeah. getting more water in the spring and and winter. Um, and it's getting drier in the summer, and that's what right. all the climate models are saying is going to get even worse. But to have these people who are just backbreaking work, and then just to watch their, you know, in a drought summer, watch their sure. flowers die, and this is their livelihood, and to come to me and be able to say, hey, you know, can you get us access to some of these water rights? And it's like, yeah, I can. Just come on down to my office, and we'll figure it out. So it's really rewarding. I bet. For sure. I mean, because nothing about farming is easy. Oh, my gosh. Nothing. I don't farm. <laughs> no. And God bless the people that do. Why they why they do it, I don't know. Because it is not easy. It is hard. So if you can get in there and help them out, I think that's amazing. Yes. Um, cool. What else? What else? Are you, oh, what else? Like, that's a big, that's a big thing. That's, um, but are there other things that you are involved in and helping with in the Valley? Well, I could go on all day, and uh-huh. I know your show doesn't last 12 hours straight, so <laughs> I will be restrained and not tell you everything that we okay. do. But I will tell you that one of my favorite times of the year is when we get ready for our annual fundraiser. So yes. we're, we have done a lot, and there's a huge demand for the work that we do, but it is still a small geographic area. Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, the lower Snoqualmie Valley is our primary focus. It's not the biggest area in the world, so um, we don't have an, or anticipate growing to be some huge organization. And the reason I mention that is because we're able to get by with one big fundraiser a year. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to spend all of our, our staff gets to spend time helping farmers, you know, dealing with issues facing farmers. And once a year, we get all our, we muster all our resources and we host the biggest on-farm dinner in the region. We don't know oh, of a yay. bigger one. If somebody out there knows of a bigger um, on-farm dinner, then please tell me so I can uh, change our claim. But so far, uh, I think we're the biggest on-farm dinner in mm-hmm. possibly in Washington um, certainly in the greater Seattle area. Sure. And so um, that's called Taste of the Valley. Okay. So we have this fundraiser once a year, and it, um, it, we're able to generate enough revenue f- to keep us going for a full year for our general fund. That's great. Um, and this is a really unique event. And long before I came on board, the all-volunteer board put this together, and they really had a, a concept that was just gold. And uh, so basically the Taste of the Valley, can I tell you about Taste of the I Valley? Would, of course. Okay. Yes. So um, – I think they started in some 2010 or 2011, um, and we've been going ever since. So we pick the um, the best day of the year that's least likely to rain because we do not have a backup plan, as I was <laughs> explaining to an out-of-town visitor over the weekend. Um, but anyway, we have um, usually a dozen or so restaurants. They come out to the farm, so we call them restaurant sponsors, uh, folks like the Cedarbrook Lodge. Um, we have the Flatiron Grill, the Heirloom Cook Shop is a cooking school, uh, Levitate uh, Gastropub, the Salish Lodge. Ooh, so oh, um, that's a handful of, of our um, restaurant sponsors. They come out and they prepare tastes made from product grown and raised right in the Snoqualmie Valley. So it's a fancy dinner and um, fabulous foods and the best food you'll eat all year, um, all made with products grown and raised right in the Snoqualmie Valley. 
Uh, so it's kind of festival style, and people wander around and um, uh, pick whatever they like or all of them. Uh, some of my board members make it a personal challenge to meet, to visit every single booth, and they get pretty full by the end. It's hard to get all the way around, but it's really some of the best food that you'll have, and it's all in season. Um, these chefs, it, they're really wonderful. They, um, It's really a big ask for them, and it's always amazing to me. I'm always humbled by their generosity, um, and I ask them you know, why they do it, and one of the things that they love is they love getting out and serving food directly to people. Mm-hmm. So our chefs often come out, um, and we have a whole army of volunteers that help them. But the chefs get a chance to talk one-on-one with customers or with customers, with, with guests, with people, with eaters, really. Yeah. And they get to talk about the food, and they get to talk about the farm and where it comes from. Um, and we do this on July 27th. And um, Goose and Gander Farm is a small mixed vegetable farm. Uh, Meredith Molly and Patrick McLaughlin own that farm. Um, it's basically on... Friday afternoon, it's a working mixed vegetable farm. They have um, 10 or 20 acres of mixed vegetables. They lease some of their acreage to uh, flower farmers. They have some pigs and cows that other farmers are leasing Mm -hmm. and grazing on their lands. But it is a working farm. It was the old Grinnewig Dairy a long time ago, and they bought it a couple years ago. And on Friday afternoon, it's a working farm. And on Saturday night, it's a big fancy dinner for 300. And on Sunday afternoon, it's a working farm again. It's really an amazing feat to just these tents go up and the. I mean, I mean, we've got they've got a neighbor who mows their their hay that afternoon so that we can park on it. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's really a big production. Um, it's a lot of fun. The food is amazing. The chefs just love. You know, having this fresh list that comes right from there, and mm-hmm. they, be, they get to use their creative energy to figure out. They just have to do one thing three hundred times, <laughs> and it's just they really, it's really. So fun. is it a plated like you sit down to dinner, or you go get little tastes from different things? This is a big source of confusion. So I, okay. I hope that your listeners will come, and I hope that they will come ready to eat um, while walking around. So oh, it good. is a fancy dinner, and 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 when I say that, I mean the food is exquisite, mm-hmm. and the wine is amazing. But in order to enjoy it, uh-huh. you really have to move from booth to booth to booth. And we, of course, make it easy by having lots of tables for you to, you know, take a break yeah. at or whatever. But it's, um, it is, you, it's not a plated sit-down dinner because you, you're visiting the booth. And you can go back. You know, some people get one and they, that they love and they just fill up on the one. Um, so you're just basically left to, you know, you're, you're um, in charge of your own dining experience. You, val- you know, go from one to great. another. Talk to chefs. We also have a lot of farmers that mm-hmm. are... So far, we always invite the farmers who are producing the food to come and mingle and mix and talk with the, with the eaters as well. Um, and then we go into the big tent and have the most fabulous live auction with items that you will never get anywhere else. All kinds of, I mean, we have the, the classics like the cruise and people mm-hmm. that I, I'm always amazed at how much people love, you know, a, um, a Holland America cruise. But, <laughs> and we also offer Alaska Airlines has been a big supporter. So they, we always have a, um, a raffle for they they give us two tickets to anywhere they fly with no blackout date. So we do a raffle really? with that. Yeah, oh that's always a huge seller. We always max out at what the gaming commission allows us to do, which is oh. five thousand dollars of raffle tickets. Um, and so we go into the big tent and have a big huge auction and tell a little bit more about the work we do. Yeah. Um, and get in and sometimes it's getting in out of the sun because it can be pretty warm in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just have a good old time, and it's kind of ruckus, you know, yeah. that people get pretty going. And um, so it's, you know, it's really a, an unusual event because it's on a farm, but then, you know, you kind of doll it up a little bit with lots of flowers and tents and I white tablecloths. And 
Um, so people tend to wear like fancy from the waist up and then their, you know, their cowboy boots on that, you know, just I love to, it. to fit in and make sure they don't, you know, because it's rough farm ground that you're sure. dining on. So it's it's really a unique event. That's amazing. So if people out there want tickets to the event, where do they go? What's the site? If you want tickets, you want to go to svpa.us. Okay. And it's not .org because that's the Sacramento Valley Paralegal Association. They got that before we started. But <laughs> They're not nearly as fun. <laughs> They're not, nowhere near as fun. Uh, so, again, that's uh, SVPS, Snoqualmie Valley Preservation Alliance, .us, SVPA.us. Okay. And navigate there to the ticket site, and it'll bounce you to a third-party site where you can buy tickets. Sure. Um, and they're $100 each, and it is absolutely, you will not find a meal like that for $100 anywhere. And, of course, no. it goes to a fantastic cause. Um, yeah. And we get a chance to uh, let you experience the mm-hmm. bounty of the Snoqualmie Valley. And then we, you know, share a little bit about the work that we do. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's a great event. It's really a lot of fun. I think it's, and I love that actually you don't have the plated sit-down dinner. There's a time and a place for that. But it feels like every, uh, many times when I go to events like that, you're having fun, you're talking to people, and then you sit down, it's like, yeah, <laughs> and it just you can feel the energy. So to be able to you know continue to mix and mingle and try different things, I think is I think that makes it. It even is. Better. People have commented that they really like the fact that they're not asked being asked to sit for three hours to listen to. It gets you know, tedious. It gets tedious. Yeah, and it's yeah we wouldn't. It'd be really hard to pull this off in like a ballroom in Bellevue. Sure, it just it wouldn't have the magic, and um, well, it doesn't fit what you're it all about. Fit, right. Right. Um, and I think it's such a worthwhile thing to contribute to and to support um, because, you know, like you said, you might be in a high rise in Bellevue and never, ever venture to the Snoqualmie Valley, but you are affected by it one way or another. Yeah, if you go to a farmer's market on yeah. you know Saturday, chances are that that radish was harvested either that morning or the afternoon before from somebody, you know, just that uh, might be your neighbor. Absolutely. Um, or even, you know, so many of the restaurants I know around here Absolutely. use a lot of the produce that comes out of the Snoqualmie Valley. Yes. So I think it, you know, it's relevant no matter what. Can you share some of the raffle item or the auction items? Oh, yes. And Great. some of oh, your sponsors yes. for yeah. the event? Yeah. I think those are fun. You already S- talked about the tickets in the Holland America or the Alaska Airlines. So we have a, um, a handful of um, fantastic uh, people love to drink wine with this fabulous food, but also a lot of times it's really warm, so we always get a lot of... Um, beer and we get a lot of um yeah a lot of brewers that come so we have um no boat brewing we have um seattle ciders a new one for us oh, so we fine. think They're our great. guests are really going to enjoy cider yeah. um so Kwame falls brewing company valley house brewing and then we have uh, mount Sai winery lobo hills winery we also have sigella cellars they've been around for a long time supporting sure. us we're really really grateful um i think i mentioned lobo hills i mean just you just cannot believe the bounty you walk around it's almost a little overwhelming by all of your choices so that that ticket price includes everything that i've talked okay. about um and so some of the um the auction items one of the favorites is um our executive director which is me um <laughs> uh, uh offers up a what i call it the 10 mile chili okay for 16 for a football party and all of the ingredients except the olive oil and the salt come from within a 10 mile radius of the event Meaning all the pork, all the beef, or you can also get vegetarian. It's good. You can have it custom. All the peppers, all the tomatoes, everything in that chili is grown or raised right there within 10 miles of that's the event. Cool. And that's really a lot of fun. We like that. Um, oh, actually, we have so many. We have um, some people might be familiar with Treehouse Point in Fall City. Yes, I yes, saw that on yes. your um, Facebook page. That is you always a popular one. Um, and they have been so generous. Pete and Judy Nelson are really generous. 
Um, we I know there's people I'm going to forget, so please, That's okay. I, I am sorry about that. Um, it's just meant to be a teaser. It's not all yeah. inclusive, but just I think the treehouse point because Jen and I, my assistant and I, were talking yesterday. It's hard to get rooms there. Oh, um, because I think they're booked a lot, so it might be awesome. worth it to come and if they yeah. just kind of cut in line and bought the tickets at the auction, um, that could be a good way to go. We also another popular item is um, a side of beef, and uh, people often don't know that you can get all these things right here in the mm-hmm. Snoqualmie Valley. So you can feed your family, you know, with the beef for a year. Just you know, from a product grown right outside your back door. Yeah. So we offer we uh, offer that as well. Um, we have some all, all really unusual, like day on the farm, and we have some folks that run big machinery and you oh, know that okay. harvest corn. And so you can do like get on a real tractor and harvest. You know, yeah. observe harvesting corn and then have a fabulous um, lunch afterwards. That sort oh, that'd of thing, be like super fun. stuff you really just Kids you literally cannot buy it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So. Um, always those are always really popular items yeah awesome and there's always a million um i should say million there's tons of um like silent auction items so there's kind of something for everybody whether it's like compost from you know pacific topsoil that's created from you know Mm -hmm. waste right from our farmers or um oh gosh you know we just have so many a lot of our farmers donate you know shares from their farm or flowers Mm -hmm. or uh i mean you name it yeah it's it's really quite a collection it's a big celebration of food and the people who grow it and the people who serve it it's really fun that's amazing so yeah i think um if if you don't have anything going on the 27th of july or even if you do you should find a way to make it to this event and bring your friends people always have a lot more fun when they bring their friends absolutely well especially with that many different restaurants you kind of need to go with multiple people so that you can like scout it out scout it out right and everybody can report back on what they got and um yeah i was really blown away with not only the number of restaurants that you're going to have, but they're really good oh, yeah. restaurants. Yeah. Really amazing. So it'll be fun to see what they come up with. We're so grateful for them to, to be, come out there and support us like that. It's really remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, if you're just tuning in, we have Cynthia Crass with us today with the Snoqualmie Valley Preservation Alliance, SVPA. Uh, we've been talking all about, I learned so much today about okay. the Snoqualmie <laughs> Valley and what it's all about. And I'm just still blown away by the water rights and how you figured that out um, because it's such a vital part of our area. And like you said, I think it really does make it unique. You know, it makes us different than a lot of suburbs for sure. And just cities to have that farming so close. Um, And this event is going to be amazing. Such a fun thing. So if you are looking for something to do on July 27th, you should definitely get tickets. We'll have links to everything on the website after the show you can always go to NicoleMangina.com forward slash podcast. And if you have a real estate question, you can always reach me via email, Nicole at NicoleMangina.com. Thanks so much for joining us today, Cynthia. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Really really a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.